Greetings, Trailblazer fans, and welcome to the Blazers Balcony. I am Casey Holdall, Trailblazers.com. Joined as always, hopefully, by Brooke Rosendam, Trailblazers TV. Brooke, how are you doing over there in uh, Southwest Portland? Southwest Portland is great, Case. Um, yes, you will always be joined by me. I am loyal to the soil and will always be your podcast assistant host, co-host oh, wait, co-host you are not my okay. assistant <laughs> if anyone's anyone's assistant in this relationship i'm your assistant but no we are this is a partnership brooke this is partner. a partnership between mean. myself you and all the fans out there who are kind enough to listen uh, to the blazers balcony through our first uh, a month i would say now of podcasting brooke so uh, yes. i think we've we've passed the threshold now where i feel comfortable ordering some assets for us uh, just to let you know uh, this mm-hmm. is how the sausage gets made folks uh, i've i've held off on uh, on asking for for like some art for the show because i just wanted to make sure that that we were going to be able to to keep it running and uh, i'm happy to say that that we have and mm-hmm. uh, we've kept somewhat of a schedule so yes now uh, now the the podcast uh, out of its infancy can now start to grow Brooke. Yeah, what what Casey is um, kind of alluding to is we have big boy equipment now. We have um, these really cool mics that um, my dad was here last week visiting, and uh, Casey was so kind to come set it up. And it's like you know attached to my kitchen table, and then it's the mic hangs down, and it it looks like those. I mean, you know, like when you see radio shows, it's everyone has that cool mic that kind of like hangs down. And anyways, my dad was here last week, and he comes over and grabs it and starts singing James Brown into it, and, and bro- it didn't break it, but it fell out. I was like, Dad, you can't touch that. Stop. That's I didn't, I didn't put it together very well too. And actually, <laughs> the the actual mic holder has been sitting on my desk that I've been trying to fix for okay, about good. a week now. So I, I lost that. the I lost the additional elastic to it. So I'm going to have to buy you another one, Brooks. So. Okay. Well, it needs a little fixer upper because, uh, yeah, it was used to fake seeing James Brown last week. And then, um, it's, it's hanging on by a thread, but it still works. It, it just, uh, you know, it, it needs that thing that you're talking about, but anyways, we have real equipment and, um, we're, we're, we're a real podcast now. Okay. Yeah. Look at us we're doing we're it. Real adult podcasters. And, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to bring my four wheeler to your house the next time. So I can traverse the street in front of your house. Which oh, don't even like oh. it's bombed out. I, it, Brooke Olsendam, she she may look like she lives a glamorous life in a lot of ways she does, <laughs> but if you could see the state of the road in front of uh. Brooke's house in Southeast Portland, you would think that she was just barely holding on no, in a I know. city that is falling apart because they're the potholes with their own potholes right it's, in front of Brooke's uh, house. It is a I my my uh my little Toyota Corolla Brooke. I I was a little afraid I might not be able to to get my way out of there. I'm glad that you brought this up and we can have this on record because everyone in the neighborhood has claimed to have complained to the city or whatever. So the the the, the word on the street, <laughs> no pun intended, is that Portland claims we are Lake Oswego. Lake Oswego claims we are Portland, so neither one has to fix the road. It is awful. When I first like when I first was looking at houses, I mean, I love this house so much, but I'm like, well, this must be something that like this will get fixed within the week, right? Like this is just, this must just be a weird thing. And uh, no, I was wrong. It's been like this for years and years and everyone has complained and it's a whole thing. They've gone to the board of whatever and nothing happens. And then my dad, like I was talking about my dad visiting last week, we, we he pulls up, he goes, I think I have good news. I was like, what? He's like, look, there's there's lines all out by your street. And we looked and there were, there were, sp- there was spray paint all over it, like so looking like arrow here, arrow here. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're finally going to fix it. Dad's like, I'm going to go talk to the guys down the street. Cause they're like people that working down the road. So he goes down, he comes back, he goes, bad news. They're putting in new water lines. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so well, I don't know, but my, my hope is deep down. They'll put in new water lines and maybe that will 
th- that will mean they have to do something with the road. And maybe that means they will fix the road. I don't know. I, it's, it's sad. It's been three years I've lived here now and I've just become accustomed to it. And I just know to go left and not right. And it's a little bit better that way. And wh- which potholes to avoid. Like I have a little like system, but some Uber drivers, when they come to get me, they're like, nope, come down the road. I'm yeah, not, you I'm got, not you got to walk your ass down here. Yeah, yes. we can't, we can't heels, get through there. Mind you, in heels, I'm like, and then find the Uber a block away. And I don't blame them. And when I, when I take Ubers home, I'm like, you can drop me off here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do they not know who you are though, Brooke? I mean, like, no, you know, just like, well, I am Brooke do. Ozendam. So <laughs> the fact that you're expecting me to walk anywhere, let alone uh, a block to my house that you've already driven me to. I mean, come on. I would never say that ever. And I never, I know you wouldn't, but you should throw it around <laughs> but, a little bit, Brooke. You're no, obviously not getting your street fixed. You might as well get a delivery right to your front door right. at least. I, I know. I just can't. It's not in me. But I will say that mo- I, like, I get, I get recognized the most at, at grocery stores with no makeup and sweats and hair in a bun, which is always fun. And I'm like, oh man, I could have put a little mascara on. And then I also, I feel like 75% of Uber, Uber drivers are Blazers fans and, and say, Oh, Oh, I, I had your mom in here one time. Cause my mom is shameless. Whenever she gets an Uber, she's like, do you watch the Blazers? <laughs> oh, uh, Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe, do you know, but I'm like, mom, that's so embarrassing. Stop doing that. Cause I've gotten an Uber, like I, I would say 10 times and they've known my mom because she has been being my mom being, being too much. Shout out to Brooke's mom. Time. And I mean, you know, Brooke, if nothing else, I mean, when next summer rolls around, you know, you get the hose out, you fill up those potholes with water, and then you got a little place for Theo to play out in the middle of the street. So, I mean, <laughs> so you know, it he, yeah, turned into a positive. He loves it. No, when F, well, obviously it rains a lot here. So whenever he, his job is to get the mail, which is his favorite job in the world, and it takes about 15 minutes when after it rains because every single puddle must be jumped into or stepped in. So, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 they, I guess that's one positive use of the pothole. <laughs> Shout out to Theo. Actually, if any of our listeners out there, if any of you like own an asphalt business or got a dump truck or something, just <laughs> fill, a, fill up a dump truck full of asphalt, take it to Brooke's house or on, on the street at least, dump it, drive down the street and uh, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll to even town. itself out my eventually. Mo- my mom's husband, who is like, a, he can fix anything. He's, he grew up in a, on a ranch in um, not Pendleton, right, right outside. Oh, uh, this is going to bother me in Oregon. What? It's right outside of Pendleton. What is it? I'll think of it later. But um, like huge, and he just he's grew up on a farm or a huge ranch and can fix anything. And he can fix the road, but you have do you know, you have to go through all these like you have to like ask for, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but you have to like fill all these things out. They have to approve permits. It. They want their permits. Pound of flesh, Brooke. Thank you. That's they, the word they, that they want. They want money so you can fix the things. In, in yeah. So then we'd have to pay for him to fix the road. Anyways, sorry. This is like the raccoons last week. I'll shut up. <laughs> all I'm all, the last thing I'll say to Brooke is I would never do unpermitted uh, utility work around my house. I swear I would not do that. I would mm-hmm. never put in unpermitted sidewalks into my home area to fix old ones. That's something I would never do. Yeah, well, you're, you think you have a good point there. Yeah, I just but. wanted that on the record as well. I, I have never <laughs> done unpermitted work on my home. Ever, my ever, home. ever, ever. Please don't come after me, city of Portland. <laughs> All right, and in the city of Portland is where your Portland Trailblazers are not going to be for about two weeks as they are about ready to hit the road for a six-game road trip that will span about 10 to 11 days uh, with stops starting uh, on Thursday versus the Houston Rockets, then heading uh, further east. Uh, to Milwaukee, another game that uh, hasn't been announced yet, uh, and New York as well, as well as Chicago. So um, Trailblazers will be leaving on that trip. Actually, I think they're on their way right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They finished up a 
five-game homestand. It was supposed to be a seven-game homestand. Obviously, the two games versus the Grizzlies will be post or have been postponed and will be played in the second half of the season. So they end up going five games on the homestand. Just go two and three with a loss, 125-122 to the Thunder on Monday, January 25th. And a loss that, uh, I don't know if I'd say that was the low point of the season, but definitely uh, definitely right up there in terms of, of just a game that, one, it's the end of a, of a homestand, so you really hope you're going to get it anyways. It's for mm-hmm. the Thunder team that is young and inexperienced and, and not without talent, but not with the talent that you assume the Trailblazers have. And granted, the Trailblazers are dealing with a, with a host of injuries. Robert Covington also missed that game with a concussion. Not yeah. sure what his status is going forward. So in some respects, you know, you, you understand it. But to, to finish a road trip with a, or excuse me, a homestand with a loss and then to end up with a under 500 record on an extended homestand, Again, not a not what you want to see, particularly against a an Oklahoma City team where you feel like if you just could have defended a little bit in the fourth quarter, you probably could have won that game. And the Blazers just did not seem like they could get any consistent stops uh, mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, or I mean, in the first three quarters as well, really. And uh, you end up losing that game. And you know, Terry said that you know he felt like the particularly in the first half that the there was no excuse for the way they played defensively and. You know, you would hope that going forward to start this road trip that you see a little bit, a bit of a better effort on that end because mm-hmm. it's hard to win games on the road, anyways. And I mean, and granted, home games are not the same, or road games are not the same thing as they used to be. Though they are going on this trip and playing in front of fans for the first time uh, in almost a year, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, but you always figure things are going to be harder on the road, and to to finish off an extended home stand, you know, really not playing very good basketball. That uh, that doesn't always portend great things for the way things are going to happen once you do get on the road. Yeah, um, the the game against the Thunder, obviously Terry Sots was frustrated. We saw that in the post game. Um, it's I, I think it is. I think the frustration comes from it's it's about things you can control, and it felt as though he felt that there were some things that they could control that they didn't take care of. And you mentioned the defense in the first half, and against a, a team like the thunder and not to take anything away from them. They played, they were hitting shots that they they played, they played very well looking at the roster. I mean, it's, it was an opportunity to, to really take advantage of, you know, bringing in Carmelo and Gary into the the starting uh, five. Everyone was kind of got, got a little excited about that. I remember like he told coach told me that they were starting in our uh, pregame interview. So I tweeted it and I, nothing but positive responses. Everyone was really excited about it. And it was an opportunity to really, um, I don't utilize them in that starting five. And I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger towards anybody, but I'm just saying that, that the, it was not what you were, what he was looking for in that first half. And it was something that could, could have been controlled. And the defense is something that it's energy and effort. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but guys were left open. Guys were hitting shots. Maybe that, I mean, what was it? Bailey in that the last three, he's like a 28% sh- three point shooter. He drills a three to seal the deal. So I understand coach's frustration. It was one of those things where let's go out. You know, we're going to, we're not going to hit every shot we, we take, but we can control our defense. And he just wasn't pleased with the effort on, on that end. And, and then it was hard to catch back up, you know, and, and they, this is like become a theme that, you know, getting back in the game. Unfortunately, they've, they've won a lot of the games they've come back. They've had to come back and win, but that one was just a little bit too little too late. Yeah. Those are the kind of games too, where, you know, in a season where you know you're going to go through some struggles, and the Blazers are are going through struggles right now, uh, partially because of injuries and partially just due to to their inconsistency on defense. Those are the kind of games you need to get to kind of help you in the second half of the season. You know, mm-hmm. a home game in it's second half of back to back, but they were playing on the second half of back to back as well, and, and you you play 
pretty good against the New York Knicks night before you win the game. The Knicks, one of the, at least, you know, from a stats perspective, one of the better defensive teams in the NBA so far this season. So you come out after a couple of days off, you play pretty well against the Knicks, you get that game. And then, you know, if you're able to come back out, have a similar effort than the next night, you win two in a row and you're, you're feeling kind of good about yourselves going out onto the road. And Damien even mentioned that he's like, Hey, if we get that game versus the thunder, you know, we're 10 and six, we're hitting mm-hmm. the road for our first long trip, you know, 10 and six, yeah. that's a pretty good and record, you know, yeah, like, and I mean, and they're nine and seven now, which isn't bad, but, but they haven't also, even hit their stride yet. They haven't know? hit their stride, but they've also had a, a fairly, at least from a schedule perspective, some easy games. They're not mm-hmm. easy games because there's never any easy games in the NBA, but right. games that presumably you would figure they should win. Right. And you know, the Oklahoma City game was one of those and they, they weren't able to get it done. And it was there is more to defense than just trying. And a, a lot of times I, I think that, you know, there's an assumption like, well, if they just went out there and tried harder, they, they mm-hmm. would be a better defensive unit. There, there's definitely parts of that. But that Oklahoma City game, that really was one where it's like, look, if you guys really just tried harder, you would have won this mm-hmm. game, particularly in the first half. Guys were just running to the corner three and getting open looks. You basically passed the ball twice and you got to open layup. That's yeah. the kind of stuff where you... It just can't happen. And and I think that's why it drives Terry. I mean, and you, I mean, you could see it all the way up and down the bench too. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. just Terry that was pissed off in that game. I mean, Nate Tibbetts was, was, was red faced. Uh, We know coach Osborne is going to tell Mm -hmm. guys how it is. And, you know, seeing, seeing the way that they, they played particularly defensively in that game, just, you know, you, you would hope that maybe it's a wake up call, but it just hasn't seemed to have been the case defensively for this team recently. So, yeah. And I even, I brought it up to Michael post game. I was, and I, you know, me positive Patty, I was like, well, Michael, you know, the starting five, they hadn't, you know, that, that unit hadn't played exclusively together. I mean, in defense comes down to communication, right? He's like, Brooke, it's not all communication. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was no, trying that- to like find a silver lining. <laughs> And, and again, I, I think there's there's nothing wrong with, with pointing out the things that, that did go well. And we'll talk a little about that. I mean, mm-hmm. play of Anthony Simons uh, in the past couple of games has, has been an unqualified positive thing. And we will talk about that. Yeah. But also, sure. like, at, at a certain point, it's like, there, it's also not even a bad thing just to point out, like, hey, you guys are not playing well defensively right now. Yeah. And the goal was to be a better defensive team this year. We're 29th in defensive efficiency right now. And the only reason we're not 30th is because the Kings are god-awful. The Kings are four points worse per 100 possessions in defensive rating than the Blazers are, which is like the difference between being 29th, which is where the Blazers are at, and like 13th. Yeah, so the Kings, if, so if the Kings weren't one of the worst defensive outfits in some time, the Blazers would be last in in defense right now. And again, we owe you lunch, Kings. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very very much, uh, Sacramento Kings. And you know, again, you you can chalk some of that up to to missing guys in the starting lineup. And that's not even to say that you don't blame it all on that. And it's not like they were playing such great defense before Nurkic and CJ got injured, but when you're not playing particularly great defense anyways, and then you're having to replace large swaths of your lineup, that's also mm-hmm. going to have a negative effect. And, and it, it keeps you from making any kind of improvement. And right. you know, the Blazers need to make improvements on the defensive end. And so far it just hasn't happened yet. And can you build some consistency on the road? Maybe. And, and again, like going on, on the road these days is not the same as, mm-hmm. as it used to be. There's an argument to be made that you actually get more practice in on the road now than you do at home. And the places are going to be in some markets where 
they don't really have as stringent of rules as we have here on the West Coast. It's the first time this season that the Blizzards have less the West Coast to play a game. So, you know, I'll be interested to see how that game goes on Thursday and going forward because, you know, if they're able to to maybe just get a few things figured out, you know, they can go out on this trip and 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 do some things. If not, it's going to get real ugly real fast. If they play defense anywhere close to what they played in the first half versus Oklahoma City on this road trip, uh, it is going to be a long slog uh, through the Eastern Conference if, if it well, was that way. If, 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 if um, Coach's response to last game um, rings true, I have to believe that the message has been sent <laughs> that that cannot happen again. I mean, you'd have to believe it. And that's going to be a point of what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, emphasis. That's thank you. I, what, I couldn't think what was the other word I couldn't think. What's wrong with me today? Point of emphasis. Um, uh, permit was the other word <laughs> that was escaping me point of emphasis uh moving forward it has to be um that defense and we this is not a new theme casey we talk about this a lot the offense is there this is a team that can find their shot they have a bunch of scorers i mean obviously when cj was healthy that he was a bucket but it's it's the defense it comes down to improving their defense i i think it's clear that that is what that they have to focus on to become a better team and the way that coach uh was feeling after last game he doesn't want to feel that way again and so that's got to be something that they're talking about every single day and especially like you mentioned on the road there aren't very there aren't many uh, distractions there it's just basketball they go to the room they play basketball they go to the room they practice if they can so you're right being on the road might be the best place to improve upon the things they would need to in, in this case defense so yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, we were at home, Dame sleeping on a hotel, in a not hotel, in a hospital bed, a hospital couch. Um, these guys go home, they have things they're dealing with at home. So maybe on the road where they literally just are in their rooms or playing, this would be, I, I guess, maybe an opportunity to improve upon that. And that, that's that's our positive, that's our positive minute of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I, I actually had thought about that, Brooke, that Kayla just finished uh, having the twins uh, this mm-hmm. weekend, uh, planned C-section. Congratulations to, to to everyone over there. It was and a yeah, C-section. It was a C-section. Yes. Oh, thank the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, <laughs> I think the first one was a C-section as well. I might not be wrong about that, but I I had got the implication from Damien that both were planned C-sections, but this one definitely was planned C-section. Okay, so, good. So yes, good. Shout out to. I won't even get any further than that, but the, just the notion that Shout out to Dr. Jones, exactly. Just the, uh, the, the hell Dr. Cesarian. That yeah. The, that, uh, the fact that Damien does have three kids at the house now and he's leaving town one that's a, uh, I'm sure uh fiance is stoked about that, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, help else, yeah, exactly. There, there, there's help there. But just the idea that like, yeah, sometimes home isn't always the place where, you know, you you get your most rest and, and are your most focused. And I mean, that's always where people would rather be and, and heck, right. I'd rather play every single game at home than ever go on the road. But the road does provide you some opportunities sometimes. And if you're a fan of the Trailblazers and you'd like to see them improve, you know, you really are hoping that that this road trip, maybe they can get some things figured out. Because mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Brooke, it's not like if the Blazers had been a improving defense before they had the injuries, then you say to yourself, okay, like this is an injury thing. They get some guys back, they get their feet under them. Even before guys come back, they're going to be okay. But the fact that they've struggled defensively for a couple of seasons now, 
and now they have injuries. It's like, mm-hmm. you, again, you can't chalk it up to that. You have to assume that like there's other things going on that need to get addressed outside of just a personnel issue. So hopefully they'll be able to figure some of those things out. Hopefully the, the if nothing else, they'll get a better effort than they had, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the last game versus the Thunder. And then, you know, you, the chips fall where, where they fall. So at again, at nine and seven right now, fifth place in the Western Conference, I agree, Brooke. It does seem a little fatalistic to be like, oh boy, this team. But it's like, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point, you you would hope they play better. You don't get a sense from the guys right now that they're necessarily satisfied w- with where they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry obviously wasn't satisfied with it. And, you know, I thought it, it those of us who have been around for a while, and I mean, and obviously Terry's been head coach for some time now. I mean, you we know kind of the way that Terry talks about things. And mm-hmm. generally he is very reluctant to ever really like give really harsh criticism of the team because he feels like those things are better left, you know, interpersonally and behind closed right. doors. So for Terry to come out and say like that was that was not acceptable, it was embarrassing, like that's yeah, that's something different, you know. Like yes. that's to me, that's a message that that's telling the guys on your team. Hey, like this is not good enough, and everyone needs to know that this is not good enough, and we need to be better going forward. And again, hopefully, we'll see that. Yeah, and it's not, sorry, excuse me. It's not like, yeah, you're right. When Terry says something like that, I believe the word was pathetic. Pathetic. Um, yeah. Excuse me. I shouldn't have said embarrassing. Pathetic. Well, I did. I didn't know if we were avoiding it. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I wanted to be as as correct as possible. So thank you, Brooke. You're exactly right. Pathetic yeah, is the word. Because he doesn't. He, you're right. He usually. Um, I mean, he's always very like honest with the media. He doesn't try to hide anything. You know, he's up he's up front with everything, but he doesn't usually um, come down that hard on his on his team. So when he does, you know that something's um, uh, something's got to change. Something is amiss. So uh, I think that, and I, I don't think we, I don't think we're giving the, the players probably enough credit either. They know that too. You know, it's not just coach to be like calling them out like guys like that first half defense not acceptable. You have to believe they always talk about going over film like Dame, you know, the best player on the team, one of the best in the league. He just had twins. He was talking about looking at film um, in the in the hospital. You know, these guys look at film all the time. So they know that it does. It's not some like surprise to them. They, they're they aware that they, they didn't play uh, to the level that they need to defensively in the first half. So I think that um just out of sheer pride that, you know, they, they want to improve on that. And I don't, I, I just wish I could case, I wish we could put our finger on it, you know, like, yeah. what is it? Because, you know, we talk about it. I talk with Michael about it, Michael Holton in pre half post, about you know, is it, is it like I mentioned earlier, is it communication? Is it still that they're figuring each other out? Is it the, the new newer uh, schemes that they're putting in that they're just, they're not comfortable with yet is what is it? Because, if you could just figure it, like put your finger on exactly what it is and then work on that. I know, I mean, I'm really dumbing it down here, but I know it's not that easy, but you know, it just, you want them to, you want them to succeed and you want them to work on the things that they need to. But I, I mean, lame, just watching it. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a fan of basketball. I played it. My, you know, my dad's a coach. I, I think I know the game pretty well. I can't figure it out. Can you? Well, I mean, they're just, they're not very connected on the court. That That's part of it. And again, which is why I think you see those rotations where when the ball swings from one side to the other, and you're kind of supposed to fill in for the guy who's in front of you, and he's supposed to rotate over mm-hmm. to the ball. Those things just aren't happening. And when they do happen, they happen once and then they don't happen again. And so it requires just one more pass. And then you're getting a pretty open look. Yeah. They're just pick and roll defense uh, is not, 
great. And, you know, part of that is, is again, that that's the part where I feel like you, you feel the, the loss of, of Nurkic into a lesser extent, CJ more than anywhere else is just in the way that they play the pick and roll. They were changing the way that they were approaching that from more of a drop to, to more of, of a, of a more aggressive active defense. And, you know, they just haven't really been able to to figure out the timing on that. And the, again, the, the rotational elements of those things that allow you to, to cover for your teammates. And yeah. now it's just, again, it, it seems like all it requires is, is a pick, a back pick, a uh, guy doesn't rotate over, doesn't move up into the space, doesn't contest the way that he should. And there, there's part of that too. Like there were, there were three, three pointers I counted in the Oklahoma city game where it was just a lazy contest, you know, and that's not to say a guy necessarily wouldn't have made it, but a situation where you were on the man, you were in the right position. You were just a foot further back from where you should have been. And that results in a open three. And I mean, and again, like when you see a guy like Mike Muscala have the success that he had against Portland, part of that is again, part of that's, that's just personnel. It's like, we don't really have bigs who are comfortable defending on the perimeter. And so when you have teams who have bigs who are comfortable shooting from the perimeter, that poses the problem for the trailblazers that they really just haven't seemed to have gotten figured out yet. And, you know, hopefully that, that does happen at some point in time, but we, we haven't really seen it yet. So, you know, those are kind of some of just the very generic things that, that I'm noticing on a kind of on a consistent basis. And Again, those are all, those seem fixable to me, but the fact that, you know, this has gone on for some time and we just haven't seen the the level of improvement that you would like to see. I mean, to your, to your point, Brooke, like I, I don't know more than anyone on our coaching staff. I, I've, those guys have forgotten more about defense than I've ever known, but mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're just not able to, to get the, the result that they need yet. And, you know, when you come into a season talking about really needing to be a better defensive team, and they absolutely do to be 29th, 16 games into the season, that's, that's a tough place to be, especially after you've played a lot of home games versus competition that hasn't been, you know, necessarily the, the top of either conference. So now they're going to have a chance and yeah. going on the road to, to see if, uh, if they can make some improvements. And if not, you know, it's uh, it's going to make things a lot more difficult for them when they do get back to Portland uh, sometime uh, first week of February. We're rooting for them. We certainly are, Brooke. <laughs> uh, just so people know, too, just to kind of give people the the stats of it, where they're at after 16 games. They are, as Brooke mentioned, one of the most efficient offenses in the league, ranked sixth at 113.7 points scored per 100 possessions. Defense, as I mentioned, is 29th in defensive rating at 114.7 points allowed per 100 possessions, which gives them a net rating of minus one, which is 17th, which makes some sense. You know, I would say that the Blazers seem like they're about an average NBA team right now, and that's what their net rating says that they are. It says it puts them right about in the middle of the pack. They've got a great offense, and the fact that their offense has remained still fairly efficient, even without CJ and Nurk, I think, again, it, it goes to show, one, they, they've just got singular individual offensive talents on the team that are great no matter what, and that they have a system in place that seems to work for them on offense. It's just the defensive side, as good as they are on offense, they're almost as bad on defense. So, and as I mentioned, if, if it weren't for the for the Kings, who were four points worse than the Blazers for 100 possessions, Portland would rank 30th. So that is, again, when you know you need to be a better defensive team, and the last season you were very good to begin with anyways, to still be in that same spot is 
that's, that's a tough place to be. And, you know, they are installing new system. They have injuries. Those things don't help. Losing Robert Covington, I think it probably makes a, a huge difference. Wasn't yeah, in I the think game. they win that game with Robert Covington. I, I am reluctant to kind of put that much on one player. But in that game, with how bad they were defensively, if they just had one better defensive player, I, you're, I think you're right, Brooke. I mm-hmm. actually would agree with you in that instance. I think that they do it, win that Literally, game. it came down to like two plays. I mean, in the end, it was a couple plays. If, if Roko got a couple stops at any point in that game, I don't know. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> I, and again, I, I think usually we do that on offense. You know, it's like, well, if they had made a few more shots, they would have won that game. Yeah. It's not often you can say like, man, if they just had – one mm-hmm. guy defensively who had a better idea of what was going on out there, they would have won that game. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's something there because again, the, you saw wide open threes when you would attack the bigs in the pick and roll and mm-hmm. you saw guys getting fairly easy drives to the basket when they attacked the guards in the pick and roll. So mm-hmm. you throw Robert Covington in the middle of that and you hope, and you would assume that, that uh, he's able to to mitigate some of those issues, at least probably on the, on the guard side, which maybe saves you five or six points in that game. And then you do got a chance. Uh, they were helped along obviously, by the way, too, by the Oklahoma city thunder being a terrible free throw shooting team. So you, you had that going for you, but uh, everything else uh, did not go your way. So what a, what a bummer that Dame missed a free throw. I was like, yeah, and that too. Uh, he had gone what like four or five games. Where how long was it, Brooke? You you, you guys are on top of that 60, stuff better than I am. 60, 67? Yes, I believe it was sixty-seven, and he might have hit a few more in that game before he missed one. But he was on his way to the record, and because we he beat, he he beat a franchise. I hope I'm saying this right. I think he beat a franchise record, and he was on his way to the NBA record. And we were just quietly talking about it every once in a while. Like, you know, Lamar and Jordan are kind of joking, like, can I say that he broke the whatever record now, but he's on his way to this. So it wasn't like it was a theme, but we were trying not, you know, the whole like jinx thing that is not real, but people like think it's real. Um, but yeah, I was just like, out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I mean, he'll, he, like then they were joking. He has, what, five or six games to get back right where he was, which he can do. So, you know, he can be right back up there again in no time. but. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a it's it's that's a really good illustration of kind of where the Blazers are right now, which is that they almost need Damian to be perfect. I know to to really have a good chance right now. And you know, I you would hope that as some of the guys who are gonna see more minutes get more minutes with, with CJ and Nurk out, and I think we've already started to see some of that, that you know, those guys become more comfortable in taking on those larger roles. And I think we're actually, again, I think we're seeing that, mm-hmm. but in the interim, yeah, you're in a situation where, yeah, like Damian missing two free throws mm-hmm. might be the difference between trailblazers winning a game and losing a game. And that's, again, that's a tough spot to be in when, know. when you, uh, when one, when you're going on the road and two, when you, you know, you're playing in a Western conference where it's, it's going to be difficult to make the playoffs. You got the play in this year too, which that no one wants to, to have any part to do with. So they're in a spot right now. And, you know, I think that that people are are hopeful that, uh, that they get things figured out, but I think they're also a little restless too. So, yeah. um, I mean, but then think about how different we would feel had they won last game. Like that, and a that's a, that's a great point. Feeling. Yeah. Just you win one that. game and you feel a lot better about your chances. You lose one yes. game and you feel like the world yes. is falling down, which, you know, and I guess in some respects that's sports, but yeah. And I think part of that too, it's just that the Blazers haven't played consistently yet. You know, like yeah. they, they win a game, they lose a game, they win two, they lose three, they win two, they lose one, they win two. So it's like they, they haven't had a 
they haven't just been consistently good or consistently bad. I mean, it was True. super bad. So yeah, you just want to know what you're getting. Yeah, I get that. Fans would. Yes, I completely understand that, and I agree with it. That you want to know what you're going to see. Um, and you want and consistency is key. But for some odd reason, and I do think again, I'm not making excuses, but with the changing of the lineups and the injuries, it's they're already trying to figure each other out with a couple of new guys. And then you have all these, you know, kinks thrown in. I, I, I think that it's kind of, it should be expected again, not making excuses that as Terry said, no excuses at all. But um, I just think there's just a lot of stuff going on with this team that and they, they can't find consistency because everything is like changing out of their control in terms of, injuries and it's just i don't know i i i wish i had i wish i could figure it out and, and say well you know i think it's this and then it'll get figured out by this time but uh, consistency would be nice and i just think that they they're trying to find it but it's just hard when they're the, the lineup is <laughs> different every night yeah and, and again you you don't have to you don't have to just write it off but i i think it's important to to accept the the notion that yes it is more difficult to play basketball well when your lineup is in flux mm-hmm. as it has been for the trailblazers for the last two weeks real quick brooke i wanted to go back talking about jinxes uh as a broadcaster you know you you kind of explained a, a little bit of your approach to it but I, i'm curious for you because i i always struggle with those kind of things as a reporter like how, how do you how much do you try not to be the reason that something happens mm-hmm. and how much of that is based off of your investment in a jinx versus not wanting people get mad at you for saying that you're the reason why something ended? Well, I'll say that the majority of it falls on the actual play-by-play and analyst because they're calling every single play and I'm just like popping in with random stories. So it's not, it doesn't necessarily fall on me. Um, in my opinion, jinx jinxes are silly. Um, I mean, the fact that a guy in a booth brought up that this is his 67th straight free throw and then he misses it. Like, do you think that Dame knows someone just brought it up, uh, you know, 200 feet away from him? No. So I, but then again, then again, I'm going to, I'm going to go back on my own self and say, I'm not a huge baseball fan at all, but I, you know, I've always felt, I, I kind of, you know, my dad's a Mariners fan. I grew up with the Mariners. So, you know, I watched my fair share and I didn't, I will say I didn't like when the announcers brought up on like a no hitter. I'd be like, don't talk about it. Don't talk. About it. But so I, honestly, I just completely went back on what I said, but I don't think there's any sort of jinx, but it's nice to just like watch it organically happen and, and know in the back of your mind, but not talk about it. I get that. I totally get that. But for me, I, I just don't bring it up and it's not really um, my position to bring it up anyways. If I did, I'd be going out of my way to bring it up. And then, uh, you know, I'd feel the wrath of the fans if I, if I did, and then it, <laughs> it went awry. So I just kind of don't, I don't get my hands dirty on that one. Yeah. For me, it's like, I, I feel like if I'm not telling people what's going on, I'm not doing my job as a reporter. And mm-hmm. yes, if one of those things that's happening is someone has hit 10 shots in a row. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, don't want to jinx it, but like, I really do feel like it's like, no, but I have to say what's happening right now, because if totally. I don't, I'm not fulfilling the duties of the position that I'm in. So you have and, to Casey. And for you me, there's to. other, there's other, this is a, a small thing too, that I actually do think about from time to time though, is that as someone who works for the team, you know, there's always an assumption that you're a homer and Perfectly frank, there, there, there's, there's some, some absolute. I admit it. Like, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I wouldn't discount that. But if you're someone that's like, man, 
you're such a homer. I wish you weren't so much of a homer, but then you're also going to complain about jinxes. Yeah, it's that, like, well, which yeah. one do you want, man? <laughs> like, like I'm trying to tell you what's happening. And then you get mad because a guy misses a free throw, but you also don't want me to be a homer either. But if I'm not reporting that, the only reason yeah. I wouldn't be reporting is because of the jinx. Ergo, that would be homer behavior. So it's always one of those things where you're trying to balance your your mm-hmm. role and well, you're you're more you know stats you're. driven. Like you, that's what people look to you for. Like on Twitter, like you you you're giving constant updates throughout the game, and you're giving stats, and you're giving like you know uh, career highs, whatever. And so that's like what people look to you for. So it's all I, I cannot I can't imagine this. Oh, this is going to sound dramatic. I can't imagine the struggle. But I mean, I can't. I really. <laughs> it's I, so I, hard. I, I know. How do you sleep at night? But I mean, the struggle of. In a situation like that, well, I mean, I, I, this is an actual stat I should share, but am I going to get grief for this? <laughs> like, that's weird. I get it. That's a weird spot to be in. And it's also one of those things, too, where you know that the quote unquote grief that you're getting about those things is typically it's not real. Anyways, it's just people. Yanking yeah, your for the most. Part, I know. So. I, I, that's the thing I love about our fans. I love our fans like more than anything in the world. One of the things I love about them is that they get it. You know, yeah. they get it. It's not about it. Even if they did give you grief, it's all in, it's all for fun and all in jest. You know, it's, it's not, they're not really mad. You know, it's just like, Casey, come on. You know, it's just, it's a very much a family atmosphere on the Rip City uh, social media world. Uh, it gets a little weird sometimes for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's all love, Brooke, but it's, it's, it's okay. mostly love. No, I have seen it. this, this season in particular, I have noticed the dark side a little bit. Yeah, people are, that's not even just sports. People are just mad, you know, like people are just, yeah. it's been a real hard year for a lot of people. People are just fed up period. So, you know, you gotta, I, I've really tried to give people a little more rope than, than typically I would, because yeah, you everyone just needs a little grace right people, now. People are struggling. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. yeah, you, you don't, you try not to hold it against with too much. Uh, it's, by the way, too, this is completely off topic. But since I, I mentioned the idea of it, I, I'm curious, Brooke, as a woman, like, do women use the term breaking balls? Like, if, if I was like talking to buddies, we were talking about busting each other's balls. Like, do, is what's the okay busting ball? I've heard busting each other's balls. I've never heard breaking each other's balls. Yeah, it's yeah, same, is that same, the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, I would say. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it on air, but I would say. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. I probably should bleep it from this podcast too. I'm not going to, <laughs> but yeah, no, I wouldn't say it on air either, but I'm curious if there, what's the, what's the female equivalent of that? So if, if you're really like, if you're with some of your, your female friends and you're really ribbing each other, like what's the, uh, Ooh, what, that's what a good you question. Doing? I'm just, I'm just messing with you. I'm just playing. Why am I acting like such a girly girl right now? Like, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Like it, it would just be like something like that. Like, I'm just playing with you. I'm just messing around. My girlfriends and I would say, I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> oh, well, no, that, that's what I'm asking. I'm not asking, like, I want to know what you would say, Brooke. I'm not, I don't, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm not uh, expecting you to speak for all women or anything. I'm just no, curious my, if there my is two a best girlfriends. I, I have the best girlfriends in the world. And um, we are very, uh, very men's locker room kind of ladies. <laughs> and we actually on our group text, instead of names, we have emojis and it's the fire emoji and then a basket because we all think we're going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because sure. we're ruthless. On, on the, I mean, you know, I mean, and then we're very kind people, but like, you know, sometimes you just got to vent to your best girlfriends about things that are annoying you. And no, yeah. Part, part of friendships uh, is having someone that you can say awful things to. Oh, yeah. We have this things and people. That's 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 what friendship is, or at least part it's of it. It's true friendship. And it's a safe space, right? Like, you know, you can say whatever. And um, and we also Marco Polo each other. I don't know if people have that app, but. It's a great way to, do you know what that is, Casey? Marco oh Polo? yeah. My, my wife, uh, Marco Polo's a couple friends multiple times best. a day. 
It's the best. And you don't want to know why, because sometimes you want to talk to your friends, but you like want to put it on a time limit. And you're like, well, I, I want to tell her something, but I don't really want to call her <laughs> You know what I mean? because who knows Maybe she wants to talk about something else. And I just want to talk about what I want to talk about. So you can just like send a, you know, essentially video message. And then when you're done, you're done. And then they, they look at it and then they respond. It's, it's very timely. It's, it works out well. And so we do that all the time. And one of our, um, things that we like to vent about is like our friends on social media, we find very annoying. That's what, that's probably one of our hot topics. Um, like, did you see blah, blah, blah. Did you see what that inspirational quote she put? Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Like it's, so it's, I'm actually putting myself out there a little too much. Yeah, no, I was going to say for, uh, for all of Brooke's friends listening to the podcast today, uh, shout out to all of you. And, uh, yeah, Brooke taking shots. I love it. Sometimes it's, you know what it is with social media? Like, I, I put out like I'm a lot of most of my stuff is work related, right? Like tune in tonight at 630, letting people know what time, you know, most of it, I'd say like, I would say 80% is work related and 20% is like my personal life or just like stupid stuff. But we just have a, a real issue with when you're looking at people's social media and it's just so, what's the word contrived, you know, it's Horny. just, yes, it's, it bothers us to our core. So when we see someone out there like putting out like this is my wonderful life it's perfect don't don't you wish you had this life we have to dog on it <laughs> <laughs> I I think maybe that's why people put that stuff out there anyways you know like they're allowing for the release of people to be like eh, this is so it's like given said, me a lot of pleasure. yes it's it, it they're doing us a favor I mean don't stop because it's giving us so much to talk about this is what I was hoping this podcast would allow for, Brooke. I, I feel like now people are really <laughs> in to know the non-television side. I'm of really Brooke a Olsen terrible Dam. person, the, everyone. <laughs> just the god-awfulness of Brooke Olsendam just taking non-stop pot shots at people who are just trying to no, show the, Casey, the don't, beautiful ways they're No, Casey, don't turn this life. on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Brooke, you, I'm, you know me. I'm the most negative, mean person <laughs> I just like awesome. authenticity. That's what yeah, I'm saying. No, exactly. You're exactly right. Like, and the, to, to present an image of one's life that is without warts, I think we all realize mm. is farce and yes. uh, inconsistent with, with what it is like to, to be a, a human and a person and in relationships with the world. And yes, I think totally. I, I would hope that people would know that the way that people present themselves both on social and, and sometimes just in interpersonal interactions is not necessarily the, the way that they actually are, but heck, if you can, I, if you can keep up the, the grift for, for the entirety of your life, more shout out to you. Well, I, I mean, I did an entire, I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if we talked about it. I think we did maybe, but I mean, my mom and I went out on a walk when I was literally in like three sweatshirts and two pairs of sweatpants and Uggs. And that's when her neighbor's Buffalo got out and I did all the, those. I mean, I put, I looked like a hot mess. Like that's real life. You know, like I, I'm not above, I like to look nice on TV. You know, like, obviously I take the time to do my hair and makeup, but that is not like hundred percent Brooke. Like when it's, I'm very much at the end of every spectrum. Like when I'm on air, I have to do all the makeup, have to do all the hair. And when I'm home, like if you could see me right now, sweats, sweatshirt, blanket, because I had to turn the heat down so that it didn't come across on the microphone. I mean, I'm just, it's one or the other. There's no middle ground with me. So that's my authenticity. And I've posted about like that. My, my point in saying that, like I post about that. I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm not that because truly there are things I post that it would come across like, oh, things are so great. Trust me. I get it. But you got to show the like in your words, the warts as well, like the real life stuff. 
Yeah, the uh, the the photo you sent me from the dental chair the other day. I mean, you, you look nice, but yeah, I remember thinking I was like, a lot of people wouldn't send that photo of themselves in a dental good. chair. Yeah, like the the angle was a little weird. Like your forehead looked real big, and yeah, oh, I have was, a huge as forehead. someone with no, an enormous that was accurate. Yeah. No, you you well, your forehead might be big. You it's, it's in this head. podcast, Brooke. You cannot say you have an enormous forehead because <laughs> you are co-hosting with one of the preeminent enormous foreheads. Maybe that's why we are so Northwest. successful together. We Maybe yes, heads. we we actually probably should have had some kind of large forehead pun in the name of the podcast. Oh, the five heads should have been our name. The five heads, oof, boy, yeah, <laughs> the the starting five heads. Yeah, would have been. Good. <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to do some kind of uh, large forehead uh, segment on a uh, oh, on the next funny, edition of the Casey, show. Why didn't we think of that earlier? You know, it, because the the good ideas only come up in when you're when you're not expecting them to. Exactly right. when when you sit down and you say like, all right, I'm going to come up with ten ideas <laughs> on titles and Starring segments that we're going to do. Nothing happens, and then you know when you're shooting the breeze on your on your weekly podcast. Oh Brooke God. is talking about making fun of people on Twitter with her friends. I mean. That's when the good stuff I, I comes up. I wouldn't say making fun I know, Brooke. Of, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I would I'm, say, I'm busting um, your balls right now, Brooke. No, there we go. Busting your balls. <laughs> yes, busting you basketballs. Yeah. Getting back to basketball, since we actually probably should get to uh, talk a little more basketball here before we wrap it up, Brooke. Anthony Simons. Mm-hmm. You know, we had talked about Brooke and, uh, you know, I, w- I was happy to see him play well just because I was happy to see him play well. But also, you know, I I, I got to say that I was a little bit happy that he was playing well because it was something we had talked about. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the the few good things about CJ McCollum uh, getting injured, and it wouldn't even say it's a good thing, but one of the the specks of hope is that it, it affords opportunities for other guys to, to play those minutes. And Anthony Simons has has stepped in and and played well. Uh, he scored 42 points uh, over the last two games after scoring 46 points in the previous 11 games. He's taken a lot of three-pointers. 16 of his 23 attempts have been from three uh, and not a whole lot of assists yet, but playing better basketball, kind of seeing the Anthony Simons that, that we hope to see at the beginning of the season. And a lot of that is just due to the fact that he's getting to play through it now. And that was something that we had talked about, Brooke, was I think people discounted a little bit because I, I think the expectation is like, well, you're a professional athlete, so you should always play the same way when you're out there. And, you know, it'd be nice if that's the way it was, but it, it's just not. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, when you know that there's a guy who who's better than you, who's going to come in and play, if you make mistakes, it's hard not to make mistakes or, and it's also hard when you're a coach and you know, you have guys down the bench that might be able to help you out a little bit more than the guy who's out there to, to roll with it. And now they're in a situation where they don't have a choice. And mm-hmm. a guy like Anthony is getting a chance to, to kind of get back to playing the the basketball that I think we saw from him, you know, in fits and starts last season. And it's, it's been nice. And it'll be something that will help the Blazers weather the storm without CJ. If Anthony is able to, to continue to play as well as he has. And again, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily even an indictment of, of Anthony. It's just more an acceptance that, you know, guys need to have, spelled out roles where they know they're going to be able to play consistently. And with CJ out, Anthony's getting that chance. Well, and Lamar talked about it um, in the pregame show that it's a sense of freedom, right? When, you know, if you don't, you're not kind of being looked at like, okay, the the second, like I do something wrong or I turn it over or I miss a couple shots, I'm going to get yanked. You know, not that that was the case. I think it was just, there's not enough time for everybody. And so now that he has, that there is, there is time for everybody. It changes your outlook and your approach to, to playing that like you have a sense of freedom. And for Anthony, I was just like a proud mama watching him because he 
just went out there and he just, he, he, the confidence, he, he was, there was no, like, t- there was no timidness. Is that a word? Timid? Yeah. yeah. Timidness. Um, he wasn't like, okay, I'm just going to ease into this. You know, he just went out there and was looking for a shot. And that was the way, you know, you, you choose if your shot's not on, you do other things, right? A good player does that for him. He felt confident in his, in his three. And that was the way he was going to, you know, help the team. And he sure did. And, you know, the six, three pointers, you know, his career high was, was seven, almost, almost reached that. And I just love the, the fact that he was so confident in himself and was like, this is, this is the way I'm going to help this team. And I, I still would like, I, I, I don't want to say I have questions, but I just know that from listening to Dame um, in our post-game interview a few nights ago, he said, I'm always in Ant's ear, like telling him he's really got to take ownership um, of when he's out there as point guard, when I'm not on the floor. And I think that would be the next challenge for Anthony is to, I know he's not a vocal guy. And he said that to me pregame, you know, last game, he said, I'm not the, you know, I'm kind of kind of quieter, you know, and Dame tells me to be more vocal. I, that would be my challenge to him is to just take ownership of that second or whatever, whatever unit he's out there as point guard is to just say, you know, this is my team right now. And I know it's not in his personality and I get that, but it, you know, maybe like get an, get an alternate personality, you know, like alter ego, if you will, and say, this is my team, you know, just become that guy and say, get here, do the, you know, get get to this spot. We're going to run this, you know? And I know that's not easy and I, I can't put myself in his position, but I think that would be the next challenge for him now that he's found his rhythm offensively is to really take charge, really take charge of his team when he's out there, when Dame's not on the floor and Dame's trying to get him to get to that place. He knows that he knows that, that he needs to. And so if he can really uh, become that leader in that spot, I think the, man, I'm, I'm very, I'm very hopeful for Anthony Simons on this team. If he can get to that spot. You're exactly right, Brooke, in that it's not necessarily a, a skill thing for Anthony at this point. I mean, obviously, he's still a, a young player in his third season, so there, there's growth to be made in that respect. But it really is – it really feels like at this point it's more of a mentality uh, approach for Anthony. And, you know, part of that is is being young, and, and you know, he's, he's a young man as it is. And you're right that it, he's a he's a, a bit reserved. I wouldn't say he's shy. He's just not a guy who's, like, outwardly mm-hmm. kind of gregarious. And he's so a I, I yeah, he's, a little, he's a little shy, but I, but I also think part of it too is just he's a young man, and yeah. you know you're playing alongside Damian Lillard, and you're playing alongside Carmelo Anthony, and you know I, I think sometimes it can just be hard to to kind of plant your flag and say like, hey, I'm I'm an oh, NBA totally. player too, I'm yeah. out here, mm-hmm. and I on this court, I am going to have supreme confidence in myself and my abilities, and mm-hmm. I'm going to play that way. And sometimes the way that that is, is that I'm going to to maybe take on more of a role or or be more aggressive than you might assume I might be playing alongside some better players. And I think that's something the team has wanted to see from Anthony is, mm-hmm. is to be less differential to guys like Damien and CJ and Carmelo and to really, you know, kind of put it on himself and say like, hey, like I'm I'm out here. I'm the one who has to you know, listen to the questions if I don't play well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go out here and do it my way. And I, I think that's what they would like to see out of Anthony. And I think we're, we're seeing a bit more of that. And I mean, I, I'd mentioned the three pointers and I would like to see Anthony attack a bit more. He did have that phenomenal baseline oh, dunk uh, in sick. the fourth quarter. That was, I mean, it was such a, I mean, it's a bummer to lose games for a whole host of reasons, but losing games when you have great highlights and not really being able to celebrate those highlights after the fact is as someone who works in the business and and wants to, who's a large part of my job is to 
get eyeballs to our website and to our social channels. It's always a, a bummer when you have a great play like that and it almost gets spoiled by a loss. But yeah, yeah. so so for Anthony, it really is about just like being on the court enough and and developing a bit of a of an attitude out there, mm-hmm. I, I guess, for lack of a better term. And yeah. to to not necessarily say, well, maybe I should I just pass the ball to Damien because you know there's 10 seconds on the clock. We really need a bucket here. He's better than I am. Maybe I should get yeah, the ball. Yeah, that's him. a weird position to be in. It is. Exactly. And it's it, it, when you actually verbalize kind of what it means to do those things, I, I think, you know, for people who don't play as well, it's like, oh, yeah, like if I was putting myself in that situation and I'm playing alongside legends, you know, like Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony is a legend. Damian yes. Lillard is on his way to being a legendary player or at least a guy who has legendary plays that He's people, that people know about. Exactly. Like, I, I think it it can be hard to, to say like, no, I'm going to take this instead. And some guys are good at that. Like a guy like Gary Trent, Gary Trent Jr. Gary's taking his shots. Like Gary Gary's out care. there. Gary doesn't <laughs> care. Exactly. And I, I think Airframe just needs a little bit more of that in, in his personality. And I think part of that is this situation is giving him a little bit of a chance to do that because it's, it's also more difficult to do that just to say like, Hey, I'm just going to go out there and play my game and live with the results when you know, you're probably only going to get five or six minutes and then someone's going to be coming in behind you. So the fact that he has the opportunity and it's more than an opportunity to make mistakes. And I I feel like I pose it that way a lot. And it's not, that's not necessarily even what it's about. It's not about going out and being able to screw up and then not get pulled. It's more about going out there and being able to play confidently without feeling like someone is looking over your shoulders. So totally agree. if he's able to continue to do that. And I think this road trip will give him a lot of opportunities to do that, to, to build like that for lack of a better term, like a callus, just to be like, no, like I'm, I'm not necessarily going to pass to Carmelo in late in the game to shoot the three pointer. And I'm thinking of a specific play in the fourth quarter of that Oklahoma city game ball got rotated out to Anthony. He was in the corner. He passed it at Carmelo who was at the kind of foul line extended three. Anthony should have taken that shot. And again, I think it's difficult when you got Carmelo Anthony that's standing, you know, four feet away from you and he's yes. somewhat open to be like, now nah, I'm going to take this one. But yeah. that's where you got to be. And, you know, if Anthony is going to become the player that I think people in the organization think he can become and hopefully the player that he feels like he can become, then those are the kind of things that he's just going to have to to kind of get more used to and get get comfortable with feeling like, hey, I'm out here. I'm just as good and I'm just as allowed to take these shots as anyone else is. I'm just going to do it. And, you know, I I would hope that that now he's going to get those minutes consistently that he actually is able to do that. And I think we've seen fits and starts of that in these last two games. I think this road trip will get a real good sense of that. That's like me being at a round table with Doris Burke and the moderator asking a question and me being like, I got this. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. And and part of you might think, eh, you know, I, again, I should maybe, I should defer Uh, Doris is in the hall of fame. I should let her answer this question. No, you're on that panel for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't want you to talk, you wouldn't be on that panel. So it's, and Brooke, it's the exact same thing. You're exactly right. Like it, it, it's one of those situations where, we're almost trained if as like a politeness thing, it's like, well, Mm -hmm. no, like I, I, this person is, is in an elevated stature. I should defer to them. Yeah. That's true in some parts of life. It's not true on a basketball court. No, on a basketball for on the courts, you do what is the correct basketball play. And you, you, you cannot have a, a mentality like, what am I supposed to do here? Or who am I supposed to respect here? What am I supposed to, you do what is the correct basketball play. 
honestly, I think Anthony's been doing that for the most part, like, like the last two games that's, we've seen that. So that's a, that's a positive, right? Like he's been looking for a shot, not timid at all, just going for it. So I think that if he continues to attack the game, like he has been, that's a good thing. And, 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 and like I said, he, he just, he hasn't had the freedom to, to play that way. And I think now he does. And these two games couldn't have been more impactful for him where he, you know, he's like, see, I got it. I'm good. I'm a basketball player. I got this. I can score. And now that like he's had these two under his belt, it can only be, you know, good vibes for lack of a better term moving forward. Yeah, and they're they're definitely going to need a lot of Anthony and from the rest of the team, seeing as how uh, the team has released their injury report and Rodney Hood and Derek Jones are probable, but Robert Covington with a concussion is still out alongside with CJ McCollum. And oh, man, so, alive. I mean, and you didn't figure, too, that concussion protocol takes a few three or four days to get through. Well, he got uh, jacked on that play. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got hit in the face pretty hard on that one. So not at all surprising that uh, after that he got punched hit. in the face via Ennis via yeah. <laughs> never that. <thing> was. <laughs> yeah. The, the hook and then the push up. Yeah. It was, uh, I'm still not sure what happened on that play. I'm not I, entirely okay. sure either. And then you had, uh, you had a uh, Julius Randall saying that the referees told him that it shouldn't have been a foul, it but then you saw in the review and the two minute report that it should be a foul. So yeah, go, go figure. But long story short, Robert Covington not going to be playing in the next game versus the Houston Rockets. We'll open up uh, again, more time for, for guys like Gary and Anthony. So, and to, you know, I, one more up. thing I had to add, and uh, that's the last thing on this topic, but um, we were like, kind of, I don't want to compare um, Gary and Anthony. Like that's not, we, I think we do that often because they're the same age, you know, they came at the same time, whatever, but Gary's different. And I think the reason why, I don't know, I'm, this is just speculation, but you know, he grew up with a father that played in the NBA and he has a different mentality. Like there was an expectation of him when he, when he did, he told me, he's like, I, there was a time I, I said, or I was asked, do you want to do this? Yes or no. Do you want to be an NBA player? When he was a young kid, he's like, do you want to do this? Yes or no. And I had to make the decision. And then when I did, then I knew I was all in and I was going to give it everything I had. So he has this like animalistic approach to this, right? Because he he decided it and then he devoted his life to it. And not to say that Anthony didn't do that. I I don't know. I, I haven't talked to him about it. So I have no idea when he decided that he wanted to play in the NBA. But there's just like a, a some sort of personality trait in Gary that started at a young age. And so he doesn't have that fear. He doesn't have that. He, there's, he just goes out and plays. And I think um, that might be, again, I don't want to take away from Anthony by saying that, but I, I just think Anthony is just, uh, he's just a, a sweet soul. And I get when you said like looking for Carmelo when he has an open shot, I think that's just something he might have to work on. That's all. Yeah. And, and I mean, Brooke, you, you also hit the nail around in the head too. Part of the reason why, you know, it's a mentality thing is because guys who's had parents who played in the NBA, they come into the league with that mentality. And the reason mm -hmm. why is because they've been told their entire lives from their NBA parents, I'm the best. I'm mm -hmm. out there. I should be out there. And when I'm out there, I'm the best player on the court. Will Barton was always a guy that was like that. Like you ask Will Barton, yeah. who's the best player out there? He's like, Will Barton. Like, anytime <laughs> I'm out there, it's Will Barton. And that's the kind of thing that you learn from just being around NBA players that you there's don't a confidence. Learn when you're not. That you exactly. Get. 
There, mm-hmm. there is a confidence and an an understanding of the importance of carrying yourself like that in the NBA that is just hard to instill on players until they've been around for a while. And when you have a parent who was in the NBA, you just come in knowing that like this is the way it works. And mm-hmm. I think that's why a guy like Gary might be further along in that part of the game than a guy like Anthony. And you're right, like it's not it's unfair to kind of compare the two guys. Yeah, I didn't. I know I was worried. And I, I, and I that's I know that's not like what you're that. doing, anyways, Brooke. But it's just that notion that like yeah, when you are are in that situation and you see it over and over again that like hey when you're in the nba it's dog eat dog and like there's no you can only give people so much respect before it becomes Mm -hmm. something that is detrimental that's that's something that i think is hard to learn unless you live it and yeah living it now gary has lived it before and you know hopefully the the blazers going forward will be able to to get both those guys to where they need to be because they are both going to need to play well for the Blazers to have success uh, with CJ out. And again, that's one of the positives of the injury is that it gives those guys a chance to really get out there and show what they can do. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Me too. I'm, and I'm super happy for Anthony. I mean, I will also add to this whole situation that um, he's been, you know, we have zoom calls after uh, practices, right. And Anthony, you know, was asked like, and, and Carmelo was asked, even people are like, so what's going on with Anthony? Like, how, what, what, how's he, what, what are you asking of him? How's he going to get to the place he wants to get? You know, there are a lot of questions, right? And I mean, I'll say he's, a, I don't want to say he's a kid, but he's a young person that feels that, you know, like there's a lot of pressure on them and they're not, I guess, delivering or whatever, or they're not, you know, living up to the expectations that could be really difficult to go out and, and say, well, no one's got my back right now. Like everyone's questioning me. I, I give a ton of credit to Anthony for just going out there and not letting it bother him. Like he went out there and the first night he got the opportunity, was it 16 or 14? I think it was 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. And then last, no, last game just, I mean, was amazing. And I, I just give a ton of credit to him for blocking out the noise and going out and being himself and just saying, well, I'll show you on the floor. So I just wanted to end that on a positive because I was so pleased and so proud of him for just blocking out the noise and just going out there and showing what he could do. Absolutely. Well, let's get to a couple of questions here before we wrap up today's blazer banter. And we have a question about Anthony Simons from Colin, Colin Bettett wanted to know, have I or Brooke heard anything from the guys about any difference in Anthony at practice? He, his game seems to be coming together. So I would love to know if they've noticed any change at practice before it's many breakout. Well, funny enough, I just, uh, well, actually I, I, I didn't, I, I have a story on that, that I've been waiting on. I haven't got a chance to do it yet, but um, Carmelo was asked about Anthony in said interviews after, um, practice. And he said, listen, guys, Anthony's good. Like you don't, you can, you were there, you know what I'm talking about. He's like, Anthony's good you know, internally. Like I know very well that he's good. You know, he, he, what I loved what Melo said was that he said, he's always asking questions and, and he's not just in the, and they're the right questions to the right people. So I think that should give fans a lot of hope and not hope. That's not the right word, but um, just, it should make you feel good that like Anthony is out there trying to better himself always. He's not just like, ah, I'm a great, I'm a great athlete. I this will work out. You know, he's trying to educate himself always. And Mello said that he said, he's, he's asking questions. He's, he's doing, he's doing everything he should be doing. He wants to better himself. And we see that every day in practice, you know, you guys might not see it, but we haven't had the chance really to see it. Right because he hasn't had the minutes that he's getting now. So 
we're, I think that we've been expecting brilliance out of seven to 11 minutes every night. And now we're seeing him get a chance to actually like breathe and play and play freely. So the, the guys always say that they have the utmost confidence in him. They want to support him. And actually, and actually, maybe I did do this story. Gosh, what's wrong with me? And then he said, <laughs> I think I did actually. And then he's, oh, I did. I know I did. Cause then he said, we just want to see him smile. And then it was so cute. Our third quarter. Sorry, I, I'm a girl. I said cute. In the third quarter rollout we have. Stop apologizing for that, Brooke, by the way. I know, it's but- insulting to me for you to apologize for that. <laughs> okay. I just got, I love cute and adorable things. Um, me too. So, okay, good. Okay, all right. It's a universal thing. I'm just going to talk trash about you to my friends after the first battle. That's all. <laughs> You hush, you hush. I, I, I was, I've been too open. I've been too open on this podcast. Um, anyways, in our third quarter rollout where John LaCrofka puts together like fun plays and, uh, you know, fun ISOs of, of the players. The last one, after I had done the story, I said, Carmelo said he wants to support Anthony and just wants to see him smile. And then I said, oh, isn't that cute? He wants to see him smile. And then the last shot of our third quarter roll, rollout was Anthony smiling. It was perfect. Put a little uh, little star wipe onto that as well. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's great, Brooke. Yeah, uh, to answer your your question too, Colin, uh, no, I, I don't think that there was anything in practice that is different for Anthony. I, I just think, again, it's, it's an opportunity. And again, it, it just goes to show how important, consistent, and ensured playing time is for NBA players. And that's something that starters will tell you. Like, guys will always be like, hey, if I know how long I'm going to be in when I go into a game, it is incredibly helpful and it it results in a much better play than you would have gotten otherwise. And so, no, I I don't think that he's going into practice now and and playing better in practice for the last week than he played for the last month. It's just, he's having more of an opportunity to be on the court and to, to have a role closer to, or a role that allows him to have the production that I think we've seen. So yeah, Colin, a lot, it's a good question because I think it illustrates the difference between like what people assume and the way it actually works, which is that it's not like a guy plays well in practice necessarily. And then he starts playing well in games. Guys are always typically pretty good in practice. It's just, they get opportunities and then you get to see what they do with that opportunity, as opposed to what they do when it's just kind of in and out of the lineup. So it's really more of a, of a environment than it is any specific skill improvement that Anthony's had. It's just that he's getting those opportunities now that he yeah. would have not, wouldn't have necessarily gotten two weeks ago before CJ got injured. Agreed. Uh, the real KJ wants to know Rocco shooting. Uh, is there any idea why he's struggling? I saw a stat the other day that said that Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. I, I think we're shooting a combined 27% from three, which, uh, you know, yeah. not, a not, <clears throat> not great. So, uh, any particular thing that I, 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 real KJ, I don't think I could necessarily chalk that up to anything specifically. I mean, he has missed some open shots. So you would hope that those percentages come back to, to the average. I mean, I, I think Robert is a, is generally around a 35 to 36% three point shooter. Maybe he was getting better looks in Houston. And I could see that just because of the, their, their offense was a little more built around three pointers. And granted, the Blazers are shooting a lot more three pointers than they have before, but more of a three point in the paint team, a very few mid range shots. And while the Blazers aren't taking a ton of mid range shots, they're taking some mid range shots. So part of me feels like maybe he's not getting as open of looks as he got with the Rockets. And again, that's, that's an assumption I'm making because I haven't gone back and, and reviewed the film. Again, he has missed some open looks that, that you would hope he he will knock down 
as the season goes on. Again, I don't know that I can necessarily put it on anything just yet, but it, it has been noticeable. And, you know, for a team like the Blazers who are shooting more threes and when you don't have CJ McCollum out there, it really does become incumbent upon other guys to get him up. And so, you know, Robert Covington, you know, when he's able to come back from that concussion, hopefully we'll be able to get a few more of those up and hit them at a higher clip because that's something that they need in the wings. I mean, the NBA basketball is predicated on three on corner threes at this point. Or not predicated, but it's a huge part of basically every offense in the NBA. And particularly for a team like the Blazers who want to get up a lot of three-point shots, that's something they lean into. And so you, you would hope that that comes back around for Robert, but you know, I, I mean, it's not like I can look at a shot and say like, oh, his mechanics are off. They, they look fine to me. It just seems like for whatever reason, he, he hasn't been able to knock him down. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't really have a great answer for that either. I uh, appreciate the question. And I understand it, but I will say that I had, I did a story a couple games ago where Robert um, covered, he was talking about wanting to shoot more threes. He's like, no, I'm going to like, I'm, it's my plan. Like he, he feels confident in his, in his three point shooting. So, I mean, maybe it's one of those things that just comes around. I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to say, sound like I'm making excuses, but when you're putting a lot of effort in defense um, the, uh, on the other end of the floor, maybe, I don't know, ne- never mind. But And I don't you know, know what to maybe, maybe like he's not getting the, maybe guys just haven't learned like where he likes to catch at. Like yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. rhythm thing. I, I don't, I mean, real KJ to be perfectly honest, like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, they, they need to shoot better from three. Um, and again, you would hope that they, they get there eventually, but you know, I would also say too, that, you know, from an offense perspective, while they've, while they've been fairly efficient, I don't know that it's running exactly like they would like to, to see Terry's flow offense run just yet. So, you know, maybe if they, they get back to a little more flow and a little less isolation, maybe that results in some better looks for, for Robert. Maybe. And, and I mean, Jones. It, it might be like a, an evolution, like they're just getting used to, you know, obviously Derek Jones and Robert Covington are always like bringing the energy defensively. And maybe it's just something where it, we will see that come to fruition. It might not be like overnight. Um, but I remember coach saying that he, he's like, I, I like this. Like, I like their strokes. Like they, they are good shooters. Like they, they will, they will get there. That's maybe, maybe they won't be, do it right now, but um, they're, but they, they've all, when they first came to the team, Casey, you probably remember like their first interview they did with us, they both like initially said, I'm here to play defense. All I care about is defense. And I was like, amen, you know, like, let's, let's do it. Let's do this. So if they can get a couple stops and, and then start hitting a few threes, uh, that's, it's gravy. Absolutely. And hopefully they will get there. A question from John wanting to know, uh, why do we think the Blazers haven't made any roster moves, even though Terry and Neil seem to be pretty clear that was the plan when CJ Nurk went down? Um, I'm going to pull a Terry Stotts here and say that uh, I disagree with the premise of the question. Uh, I don't believe that that's really what they implied. I mean, Terry had talked about sitting down with Neil and talking about how they were going to going to get through it from a personnel perspective. That does not necessarily mean going out and making trades or signing players. They didn't sign a 15th man in a lot of respects because they didn't want to go into the repeater tax. And they're still reluctant to do that now, even without CJ and Nurk out there. And without Nurk being on the court, he's not going to make a 
likely bonus that would have been, I think, for like 1.5 million. So in theory, they might have a little more room to work with under the cap. But I, I do think that that part of that is one, they want to kind of see what these guys can do before making any personnel moves too. I don't, again, I don't necessarily agree that they were saying they were going to go out and make personnel moves. I just think it was more of a conversation about who do we have on this team now? What roles can they fill? And if they can't fill those roles, maybe we go out and have a signing or a trade, but let's figure this thing out first. The other piece too, is that a lot of guys aren't eligible to be traded yet because they were recently signed. Uh, and I'm not talking about the Blazers necessarily. I'm just talking about league wide. So um, not a whole lot of movement generally in the first month, month and a half of the season anyways. Um, maybe once, you know, we get to mid February and some of the guys who signed as free agents are able to be traded, I guess at that point in time, maybe there's some more action, but I feel like at this point, I'm not necessarily expecting to to see them go out and sign someone or to make a trade for a center or a shooting guard because, I mean, I feel like they think that they have Ennis starting and they feel like he's a starting caliber center. They have Harry Giles, who a lot of people want to see play more anyways. And then they have Anthony and Gary at the, the guard spots. And while, you know, those guys are still works in progress too, like I, I don't really see – a likelihood that they're going to go sign or trade for someone to then play in front of Gary or Anthony because they want to play Gary and Anthony anyways. So, and that's, and that's not even to take into account Rodney hood. So I, I, I would, I would almost be surprised actually, if they, if they made any kind of mood to bring in someone else. And I, and again, I, I don't know that I would necessarily agree that they really had stated they were going to do that anyways. First of all, Ennis is balling. So yes, like I know everyone would love Yusuf Nurkic back, including myself. But Ennis has filled in, as he did before, wonderfully. And it's one of those situations, I think, is that we have so many injuries right now. and it's not, But they're not season-ending injuries. These guys will come back, people. Like, they will come back. They're, they're going to be back in two months, three months. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it's the least amount of time possible. But they will come back. And I think it's one of those situations where you just want to see the guys that you have stay afloat until you get your two other best players back. I, I, I don't see the the value in, I mean, why would you trade Gary right now? Like, why would you well, I, I don't necessarily think that they're saying you would trade Gary, but just okay, the well, idea of being like, are, are they going to sign someone? They do have an open roster spot. I just, so many odd things have happened in this early season that you just think, I mean, in my opinion, that you just write it out until everything comes back to normal. <laughs> I agree. I, I think you. I I would imagine they're going to write it out. If one more guy goes down, maybe not. And I mean, again, think the last season. Like, what did it take for them to sign Carmelo Anthony? They basically had to be down to no centers and no one taller than six nine on the team. Yeah. And even then, I, I think it was still like a debate about whether or not to do it. So the fact that they waited as long as they did last year after having two injuries within a month that were season ending and also not having Yusuf Nurkic anyways. I think that kind of gives you your answer about what it will take for the Blazers to decide to go out and sign somebody else. I, if they lost one more guy, I imagine that they would probably have to do something at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting anything at this point. Hopefully they don't lose anyone else. <laughs> they don't can't even say it. it. Don't put it out in the universe. Don't say you're, it. Case. You're, you're, hey, that, we just talked about jinxes, Brooke, and uh, we're not going to to try to live our lives by them. And then you're you're chastising me for Sorry. for mentioning oh, uh, just possibilities. Yeah, it, it was a pretty minor chastisation. <laughs> uh, last question from James Drew: uh, Is the chemistry an issue, or did we drink too much preseason Kool Aid again? 
was anyone serving up preseason Kool-Aid? I feel like, again, like I, I, the Blazers talked last year about after going to the Western Conference Finals about coming back and wanting to go back to the Western Conference Finals. They did not talk about that this year. And and behind closed doors, the stuff I was here was more like, hey, we just want to make sure we're not in the play-in. Like, that's our goal, not being in the play-in this year. So the idea that, like, they came in being like, oh, boy, it's uh, we're, we're, we're setting the, storm, the league on fire this year. Like, I don't really recall that happening. And, and maybe well, I, I think it, I, I do remember Charles Barkley saying we were going to win it all. And that yeah, that's true. They, they, fair point. Charles Barkley saying the, the Portland Trail Blazers are winning the championship. <laughs> that's a terrible Charles Barkley, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, absolutely. The issues that the Blazers have, though, I don't feel like are, are chemistry issues. I mean, I think the guys like playing with each other. I think they're well, I love each fun. other. Yeah, it's just they need to play defense much better than they're playing it now. And I don't get the sense that that's got a whole lot to do with chemistry. Maybe it does, but I, I just don't. I have a hard time believing that the reason why, you know, teams are shooting 40% versus the Trailblazers from three and, you know, they're giving up 113 points per 100 possessions is because of chemistry. Like I, I, and you know, chemistry is, it's not nothing in the NBA, but I don't get the sense that it's the problem with this Trailblazer team right now. Uh, No, I don't want it all like chemistry. I mean, let's be real. When you start with the leader of your team is Damian Lillard there, there will, there will be chemistry. (laughs) Um, he will not have any of it. If it's, if people are not trying to be a part of the team that I will not stand. So, um, I don't think chemistry is the issue at all. And, and we see like Bruce Ely and like Tristan, the guy, we see all the videos and pictures of, of practice. They, they're, they love each other. They're having a great time. I mean, I don't think you can fake that. So it's not chemistry. I think it's just comes down to, like you said, like defense and 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 when i say communication and then i mentioned michael said it's not only communication which is true so there are fundamentals that come down to it and so it just i, I think that the, the more they play together and then you meant you did a great breakdown of like why the defense isn't working and i think that is the more reps they get in terms of playing like actual games and practices as well that they'll start understanding like what the other person is going to do. And then you can like figure it out because I just feel as though there's a lack of communication or not, not, not lacking lack of understanding of the other player, where they're going to go, where they're going to be. And that will come with time, but I, I, but chemistry I've never questioned. Absolutely. And by the way, too, I mentioned on Twitter, I had made an analogy on one of our previous podcasts about defense and playing video games and how, you know, it's kind of a, you you start doing it and it's very hard to figure out. And then as time goes on, it almost becomes second nature. Mm -hmm. Unprompted, Damien mentioned the exact same analogy to me when I was talking to him pregame a few (laughs) games ago about defense. He he was talking about Madden. He's like, you know, sometimes like I I decided I want to play Madden again. So I sat down, I had played Madden for years, sat down, controls are different. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I was like, this is fine. It's not going to happen. Two days later, I'm running shop on people. So yeah, like a lot of it is just those reps and an understanding. And you would hope they were able to get on the same page sooner rather than later. Maybe this road trip affords them that opportunity. We will have yet to be seeing that, but hopefully we will see it at some point in time soon. So that's you do for us today, Brooke, on today's Blazers Balcony. By the way, my mom's husband grew up in Hepner. Hepner, fantastic. Just that, so that, that, those knew. are the questions that we were going right. to get if, if we were going answer. So, <laughs> shout out to all the folks at Hepner. Shout out to Hepner. Shout out to North Portland. Shout out to Southwest Portland. Shout out to the metro area. Northeast. 
And by the way, to shout out to the family of Seku Smith, uh, one of oh, our colleagues um, fell by COVID, uh, really to one of one of the best guys uh, working in the business. And I mean, it's, you know, every every death is has got its own set of tragedies to it. But, you know, Seku was a guy who I could think of something bad to say just about of anyone. And that's just kind of the way it is, you know, and particularly in journalism too, like it's competitive business. Some guys are jerks. Some guys are great. Um, but there's, you know, everyone's got their, their picadillos. I, I cannot imagine anyone has a crossword to ever say about Seku Smith. He is just an mm-hmm. incredibly gracious, kind man, fantastic at his job. You know, uh, again, just a guy who every time you saw him, it was, it was always a pleasure, always had something kind to say. And again, it's, It's a tough time for everybody, but you know, when you lose people who, who are really exemplary and who you look up to, um, and particularly, you know, 47 years old, I know it's just, so, you know, condolences to, to his family and to, to the NBA folks who, who've worked with Seku and, and from people who knew him in Indiana and Atlanta, um, you know, condolences to all of you. Um, and you know, just a, a real hole left in the uh, in the NBA brotherhood and sisterhood of journalists because uh, again, Seku, one of those guys that universally beloved, and there aren't many of those people out there. There's not many people who are universally beloved, particularly in journalism, and uh, Seku is one of the rare ones. So yeah, I agree. Oh, rest I, in peace, my I man. I co-sign, my friend. Rest in peace. So for again, for myself, for Brooke, thanks so much for joining us on the Blazers Balcony. Uh, we will not end it on such a downer the next time. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, everybody. Peace out.